Gospel of Mark, chapters 14, 15, and 16, there is that depiction of the cross, the crucifixion, the burial, and the resurrection. In my preparation for the services today, in this Gospel of Mark, the Holy Spirit drew my attention to personalities around the cross and at the resurrection and how they responded to the cross. Now, brothers and sisters, there are many symbols that mean a lot to we human beings. But there is one symbol that cannot be ignored, and that is the cross. Amen. Cannot be ignored. History has erected it and destroyed it. History has gold-plated it and burned it. History has commended it and criticized it. And yet all of history hangs on the cross. History passed from the cross. If you could back up all the way from the cross, if you could form a timeline in your mind, and from the cross backing up all the way to creation. And the Bible says, and God created the heavens and the earth. And when Adam and Eve disobeyed God and ate the forbidden fruit and cast everybody that would follow them after them into sin, the cross became the point from creation to which history would move because we were all born in sin. Our grandparents were born in sin. Our parents were born in sin. And because of the sin of Adam and Eve, regardless of your color, your language, your education, your family's genealogy, we would need a savior. And long before you and I were born, there was the cross. And then after the cross, as history moves forward, and here we are 2,009 years later from the cross, April 12, 2009, everything from the cross moves towards God's plan. And God's plan didn't stop at the cross. Because after the cross, and after the crucifixion, and after his burial, and his resurrection. After 40 days of appearing on the earth prior to his ascension, Jesus said prior to his ascension in John 14 and 1, let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. For in my Father's house are many mansions. I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. I'm not telling you when I'm coming. I'm just telling you to be ready. I may come on April 12, 2009 at 1 o'clock, but I may come before then. And there's not a whole lot of time left before then, is there? Or I may come tomorrow or next year. Your response to the cross should be one of preparedness.
I think of, please, Judas and his response. In Mark 14 and 44, the Bible says, Now his betrayer, meaning Judas, had given them a signal saying, Whomever I kiss, he's the one, seize him and lead him away safely. And Judas's response to the cross was, What could I make from him? How can I gain from Jesus? Because he was greedy and a thief and he was the treasurer of Jesus' ministry. And for 30 lousy pieces of silver, he sold the Savior. Because here is Judas's response, and it's quite similar to people's response today to the cross. His response was, what can I gain? His desire was for temporal, material gain. Give me things, possessions, temporal, material gain instead of future, eternal life. In the book of Timothy, Paul says, be sure that you brought nothing in this world and you're not taking anything out. And I don't know what your response has been. Maybe, maybe your response has been to the cross some months ago or some years ago. You started well. But you became like Demas, who started well after the resurrection of Jesus and the apostles spread all over preaching the gospel and Demas partnered up with Paul and they traveled for a while. But after the pressures of life begin to get on him and Satan begin to tempt him a little more and he saw that this cross and this uh, Christ and Christ coming back is not as immediate as he thought it was going to be and the celebration wasn't right away. Paul said of Demas, Demas has forsaken me having loved this present world. I pray that your response this morning would not be one of Judas. And then there's another person there, please. Peter denied him. We all know that story. We know that Mark says in the 14th gospel in the 68th verse, after a servant girl saw Peter warming by the fireside in close proximity to where Jesus was being mocked and tried illegally, Peter just followed near enough to be close to see what's going on but near, near enough to identify himself with him. So a servant girl said something like this. Hey, aren't you one of his? Did I see you in the marketplace? No, 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 no. You are mistaken. On the heels of that, somebody else said, but, but that's Peter, the guy over by the fire. You're one of his. I don't know what you're saying. And it made him matter. And then on the heels of that, a third person seemed like out of nowhere. Says, but Peter, they may not even call him his name. They may not have known it. You, sir, you are one of his. And he cursed and swore and mocked. And by the time he gets the last phrase out of his mouth of denial, the rooster crows. And all of a sudden, Peter remembers what Jesus had said. Jesus had said, I am going to be arrested. I'm going to be judged. And I'm going to be killed. And when that comes, all of you... My disciples, for fear, are going to scatter. Like sometimes on accident, you may step on a mound of ants. And then no sooner you move your feet, the ants run everywhere scattering. That's what you, my disciples, are going to do. And Peter said, whoa, 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 whoa. No, 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 no. No, Andrew may do it. And Judas may do it. And James and John may do it. But not me. Even if everybody scatters, Peter says to Jesus before the cross, I'm going to hang in there with you. The rooster has 
now crowed and Peter has denied Jesus three times and he remembers the words of Jesus and he thought oh my god I let him down just when I said I wouldn't have you ever done something you said you wouldn't do I have have you ever known what is right and done what is wrong has God ever forgiven you when you truly confess can you say amen now, now I just want I just want to show you something here I'm not gonna take all day but listen to me here is the message of Peter and his response to the cross he went out and cried bitterly but my Lord Jesus when Jesus resurrected the third day he told Mary and the others who came first to the tomb go tell my disciples and Peter that I am alive meaning let Peter know that while he knows I'm disappointed in him I'm not disappointed to the point that I won't forgive him so here comes one who was a failure but could continue to be a follower somebody say amen even though you have failed God time and again on this Easter Sunday or before if you are sincerely repentant you can still be a follower of Jesus somebody praise him with me and then there was Barabbas who replaced him Barabbas was an insurrectionist a murderer a rebel he had raised up a small group that grew into a larger group of Jews to rebel against the Roman Empire and done some killing in the process Barabbas was a criminal in jail at the time that Jesus was arrested and tried Barabbas was headed for his judgment he was going to die but the Jewish religious leaders wanted Jesus killed so badly even though they knew he was innocent but they were envious of him the Jewish religious leaders told Pilate after Pilate, the governor, the man in charge, the head honcho, so to speak, about freeing people or crucifying people, the Jewish uh, authorities could not kill people. Only the Roman authorities could give that command. And even though Pilate says, look, look, this, this man is a, an innocent man. Let him go. The Jewish uh, leaders who, who was all religious said, we have a custom at this time of the year that the governors release to us the person we ask as a gesture of, of friendliness so kill Jesus and give us Barabbas and so that's what Pilate decided to do and here's a, here's a lesson Barabbas the guilty became Barabbas the guiltless because Jesus took his place help me here somebody L listen to me every one of us before salvation was guilty every one of us born in sin and shaped in iniquity we were the guilty and as a result like Barabbas we were found with our hands in the cookie jar we were tried and found guilty and sentenced to die but we the guilty became guiltless because Jesus said to his father, don't kill them, take me instead. And so Jesus became the guilty and we became the guiltless because he took our place. You ought to praise the Lord with me. Come on, somebody say amen. <laughs> but, but then Pilate, Pilate delivered him. Pilate had a choice too, just like all of us this morning have a choice. In Mark 15 and 15, and he, Pilate, delivered Jesus after he had scourged him to be crucified. 
Pilate knowing that Jesus was innocent. Pilate knowing that the Jews were jealous of him and they wanted to murder an innocent man. Pilate was warned by his wife prior to making final judgment of Jesus. His wife said, have nothing to do with this man Jesus. Be very careful how you judge him because in a dream I've been told by God that he's an innocent man. And Pilate, in, in trying his best to excuse himself from the crime, asked for a basin of water. They brought him a basin of water and he washed his hands in the basin and says by symbolism, I wash myself of this issue. His blood is on your hand and dries his hands as if to say by doing that he's guiltless. But you know why Pilate caved in? It's called compromise. Compromise. And some of you have started on this journey with Jesus some years ago or some months ago, even maybe longer. And you're not where you ought to be with him today because you have compromised. You wanted to fit in. You wanted to blend. You wanted to be politically correct. And when you had a chance to stand up for what's right, you compromised. And God says, don't compromise. God says, stand for what is right and God will stand alongside you. I, I need, listen to me. There are now four states in this United States of America, four states of the 50, who tell its citizens that it's okay now for a man to marry a man and a woman to marry a woman. Anybody out there with me? You hear me what I'm saying to you? Same-sex marriage in four states in America. And I want, to, I want to say something to you this morning. It doesn't matter if all 50 states in America says, in order to be politically correct and fit in, they're going to do it anyhow. God says sin, including homosexuality, along with all the other sins, the sin of adultery and fornication and abortion and rape and theft and prejudice, every sin... Every sin has the capacity to destroy your soul. But I'm saying to you, I'm saying to you today, if you will, as an individual and as a family, refuse to compromise with political correctness and convenience and announce whose side you're on on the other side of the cross, one day Jesus is going to see you in the crowd and say, that's my child, enter in, thou good and faithful servant. You've been faithful and now I'm letting you come in. I need to hasten here. The soldiers derobed him. They stripped him of his clothes. The soldiers did what a lot of people do today. I don't mean necessarily by derobing Jesus, but here's a symbolism there. The soldiers wanted to see what they could get from Jesus. What value they could benefit from him instead of getting to know him and how that he can change them. And that's kind of the way we do as a culture today, or many people do with Jesus. They see him as some great Santa Claus in the sky. They see him as someone, give me, give me, give me. Give me something, Jesus. Bless me, bless me, bless me. What can I get from Jesus? What can I get from going to church? What can I get from giving an offering? What can I get from, from doing charitable things? And let me say to you, brothers and sisters, that's not relationship. Help me out here. Your marriage cannot survive if one partner always wants to be the receiving, receiving, receiving. Friendship does not survive that way. God didn't send his son to be a great Santa Claus in the sky. 
And then the only time people ever call on God is if they have an accident, or if their mortgage is past due, or if their children are rebellious, or if somebody is addicted to drugs or alcohol. The only time some people ever go to church or call upon God is when they want to get something. God did not send his son to hang semi-naked between heaven and earth and suffer a cruel death just because we need to get something. What we need to get is life and life eternal and the forgiveness of sin and the washing of our lives by the water of the word and the blood of the Lamb. We need to get a life and I mean eternal life. And that's why Jesus came. I need to hurry and say number six, please. And another person there was the, the priest who mocked him. Mocked him. Made fun of him. And ridiculed him because they they suggested that he coming as the Messiah insulted their expectations they expected their Messiah to come with a warrior like a soldier like uh, conquering kind of hero their Messiah was going to come on the, uh, on, on the horse uh, on a horseback uh, leading armies against the Roman Empire and Judaism would be the religion of the day and Jerusalem would be the capital of the known world. This idea of a baby coming in a manger and living among us for 33 and a half years and being humble and meek is not, is not what we have in mind. So away with him and kill him. How many times we misjudge the message? Well, let, me, let me hasten here. There, there's another person or person's the presence of the Father, God himself, for a few moments, turned his head away from the cross. Anybody who is a parent here know what I mean about looking on your child or children when they're suffering and feeling helpless. Can I get a witness here? Yeah. You ever had a child with a fevered brow and nothing you could do would help? And tears, hot tears run down your face even though you're holding this baby and loving this child. Can I get another amen here? I'm talking about even though you have adult children, they make choices and they do things and behave in ways that ruin their marriage, ruin their health, put them in jail or destroy their reputation. And as an adult parent of adults, your heart is broken. The disciples had scattered. The people was gone. The sun refused to shine for three hours at Calvary, the earth beneath the cross shook with such violence. The, the rock and the formation of the earth beneath the cross shook with such violence. Maybe somewhat to the tragedy of the earthquake in Italy this week and how unfortunate. And it seemed like all of creation was for about three hours or more in the midday light hours when the sun should be blazing. It became as dark as three o'clock in the morning. Even creation and God was groaning at the death of innocence. Somebody says, how could God turn the other way and not look at his son? It's only because had God gazed on his son too much longer, his compassion might have forced him to rescue Jesus. But God knew and Jesus knew it was far better to come out of the grave on the third day than to come down from the cross on crucifixion day. So his father didn't forsake him. Had Jesus come down to the, from the cross, all of us would have still been headed to hell. The plan of salvation, oh help me Jesus. The plan of salvation would have been interrupted and the only hope would be this life. But then there was the centurion. Wasn't he the one who was in charge of a hundred soldiers? 
Isn't he the guy, the centurion, who's seen crucifixions more than he could probably count? Isn't he the centurion in charge of a hundred soldiers who carry out crucifixions in the name of the government? And isn't he this guy who thought this was just going to be an ordinary, another crucifixion? The Jews are having their way, and we the Romans are giving them their, what they want. And you know, if you know anything about Roman history, that during the time of the Roman Empire, thousands of people, up to 30,000 people, or more were crucified on crosses. So there's another crucifixion. The soldier was there, the centurion. He was making sure the, the soldiers in his charge had carried out. They had erected the cross. They had nailed Jesus. They had hoisted him up in the air. Two other men on either side of Jesus were also being crucified. They did their soldier duty. He was a rough and tough soldier, this centurion. There was nothing that was going to shake his emotions. There was nothing that was going to bring a tear to his eyes or a confession to his mouth. But there was something different about this man in the middle cross. I said there was something different about this man in the middle cross. He saw it. In the midst of the earth shaking and the sun darkening and the creation groaning, the centurion said, surely this is the son of God. I hope you say that again. And then Mary, the, the demon possessed, delivered Mary. The demon possessed Mary of Magdalene. In whom there were seven demons, she was there too. And she announced, I'm on the Lord's side. She announced, everybody's forsaken him, and everybody's left him, and his disciples have gone, and the priests have mocked him, and I have a decision to make. Because he delivered me when I was an outcast. Because he spoke to me when nobody else would. Because in me there was, not just, there was not just one devil or demons, there were seven demons. You know, to whom much has been delivered, from whom much has been delivered, there seems to be a greater expression of gratitude. Can I get an amen here? So even though everybody else abandoned the cross, she announced, I'm a follower of Jesus because if this Jesus could deliver me from demons, feed multitudes, calm the seas, raise the dead, I believe that when he said on the third day he's coming out of the ground, I'm going to be there to see it. And then I got one more spectator, participator, Joseph of Arimathea. He buried him. A wealthy man, prominent man, by the time the secret agent Christian. You know we have secret agent Christians today? Undercover Christians? Only come above board when it's convenient? But let me tell you something, brothers and sisters, ladies and gentlemen. For all of us, there are times in our lives when we have only one chance, one chance to announce our allegiance. There are times in our life when we have only one chance to get some things right and we don't have another chance. And Joseph of Arimathea realized that I don't care now what the political people think, what the rich people think, what the religious people think. 
outside of our family's property, there's a tomb that's been dug out of a cave to entomb me when I die and our family members beyond that time. And I am ready now to announce that I believe in this Jesus of the cross and this Jesus of Nazareth. And I am going to beg Pilate for his body. And I am going to adorn it in perfumes and, and in clothing and in, in a burial clothing. And I'm going to place him there because I don't believe he's going to stay there long. He's just going to borrow this place. Did he not borrow it? And on the third day, God raised him. Hallelujah. God raised him. In a Dear Abby column some years ago, Dear Abby, the advice giver, and you remember, some of you remember Dear Abby column, you remember, can I see if, if I'm restoring with some folks? She would be the one to whom people would write and say, Dear Abby, what do I do about so-and-so? And ask for advice. In one of her columns, she tells a story with this I will close she tells a story of a young man who lived with his family mother and dad in a affluent community people of means and part of the practices of the people in this affluent community was when their children came upon high school graduation they would buy them a brand new car I've never lived in that community. How about you? But that was the case. As graduation day was approaching for Bill, I'll call him Bill, the son of this affluent couple. Bill and his father looked all over for the perfect brand new car that would be his graduation gift. And they found it. And he was excited, overjoyed. Graduation day came and the celebration continued. At the end of the day, his father handed him a gift-wrapped Bible. He opened the wrapper, tore it, and saw a holy Bible and threw the Bible to the ground in anger. Walked out of his father and mother's house never to return home again never to return only when he found out that his father was now dead so he came back to the funeral of his father after many years had transpired from the day he slammed the bible down on his graduation night and walked away and for years he was gone in anger and he and his dad never saw himself until he saw his dad again as a dead man at his funeral after the funeral was over and Bill went back home to his father's, what used to be his father's house, now his house, because he would inherit all this. As his eyes panned over the house and the room and the property, it's all going to be his now. He was saddened. And he saw on the shelf the Bible that was given to him on graduation day years ago. And he dusted it off sat back on the couch thumbed through the Bible and as he thumbed through the Bible a cashier's check fell out the Bible dated his graduation day many years ago in the exact amount of the brand new car that he and his father had chosen for graduation day and 
bill missed the gift because he didn't appreciate the wrapping he didn't appreciate how it came anybody hearing me and some of you this morning may miss the gift of eternal life or healing or peace or the promise of heaven because things hadn't gone out for you just like you thought it should you've missed the promises of God to heal your marriage heal your body deliver you from addiction or bondage because you misunderstand the message or the messenger because God hadn't answered your prayer just yet or because things hadn't worked out just right or because God asked you to give up some things and you haven't been willing to give them up and so you've chosen some things that look like what you wanted but if you would have opened up the gift you'd find that there was the answer all the time and he is called Jesus the risen Lord bow your heads please I don't want you to miss the gift I don't come as a beggar this morning I come as one inviting you to respond if you have been like Judas and chosen the temporary over the eternal change your mind today if you've been like Peter and have failed come back to Christ today if you have been like Pilate and compromised when you should have announced your allegiance announce it today be like Mary and follow Jesus be like the soldier the centurion and say surely this is the Son of God be like Joseph of Arimathea and say he is worthy of my affection and I will follow him not much time left Jesus is coming back again and soon you say pastor Allen I need to give my life to Christ for the first time Oh, I need to give my life to Christ again every head bowed and every eye closed and those of you born again you would help me so much if you'd whisper a prayer because I'm not here to drag this out and I'm not here just to patronize but I want the Holy Spirit to release some men here this morning and some women and some young people and some children pastor I need Jesus in my life I started well but I got sidetracked and I want to rededicate my life I want to receive the gift of eternal life I want to go to heaven I do not want to go to hell and since heaven is prepared for me I want to go there I want to be born again for the first time I want to rededicate my life if that's you hold up your hand right now hold it up in faith 